When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Lamar Jackson's sighting in the greater Maryland area. More news from Ravens minicamp. And most importantly, it's a three-man booth this week on Pod Like a Raven. I am back from vacation. I'm feeling refreshed. Got my guys in the booth. Got to talk about the Ravens. Got to talk about Lamar. Got to talk about not that many other things, to be honest. But we will bring you all of the updated news from Baltimore. I am Antonio Barbera. I'm going to introduce my two co-hosts, starting on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, it's, it's June in Los Angeles, so I'm going to assume the temperature has shifted all the way from 78 to 79 at this point as a daily average how's it going over there uh it, it's not that hot uh, it's, uh we've been we've been chilling around 72 73 uh all weekend oh so, yeah. brisk uh, yeah yeah Ooh. might have to wrap up when the sun dips, dips down gets gets into the 60s at night out here uh but i've been good um it's great to be back on with the three of you. Uh, I, we haven't done this in like a month and a half, it feels like, <laughs> so since I think right after the draft. So, yeah, it's good. We're, uh, as you said, there's things to talk about with Lamar Jackson, as there are most weeks. <laughs> it seems when we can convene. Uh, I'm sensing that will be a theme going forward as well. But still, very happy to get back on the horn with you guys. And on the East Coast... You know, I've been I've been out of the country the last few weeks. So Tim Horsey, I assume the weather on this coast has been, I don't know, ninety five and humid with the occasional drowning thunderstorm. Yeah, so it's either it's either um, ungodly hot or ungodly hot and raining or too cold to actually do anything outside. But then the next day is way too hot, but then raining, uh, and then it's perfect weather and it's a monsoon, uh, perfect temperature, I should say. So yeah. <laughs> everything's the same you know global warming isn't real don't worry about it guys uh over here in the great state of maryland but yeah outside of that like jay said i'm excited to finally we are uh running out of water so it's not like oh. perfect out here with the temperature good so what's worse so maryland concern. weather or running out of water you have your say in the comments below yeah, but yeah outside of that I'm, I'm doing well my friend and excited to talk to the both of you for the first time and like jay said feels like forever in the last over the last few weeks a lot of concern out of Baltimore about what on earth was happening with Lamar Jackson after he skipped voluntary workouts for the first time in his now five-year 
NFL career? Is he was he going to hold out? Is this a contract thing? What's going on? And then there he was on time, day one, mandatory minicamp. Uh, had a little bit of a little bit of a press conference afterward where he deferred basically on any question related to his contract. I think the the most he said was quote we're having conversations about it end quote. Uh, and then just the the typical press conference generalities. But Lamar, on the field, throwing footballs, talking to receivers and coaches, all the social media clips coming out of the Ravens' uh, social media team. How do we feel about seeing Lamar, having him in the building, not, you know, putting up a a fight at this point in time about the contract on the scale of, uh, you know, the panic scale with 10 being the worst. I would assume we're all in the like six seven range with him not showing up to voluntary stuff. How, how how much has that decreased now that he has appeared at the first thing that was mandatory? I mean, for me, I think it two. Like he's gonna play. I mean, I think it got taken out of context a lot, and you'll never guess. But like the first takes of the world and the the Skip Baylesses <laughs> of the world found their way to. Well, I don't know if he should be on the field without a contract and all this stuff. Lamar shot all of that down, you know, saying, I'm going to play football. That's what I do. He's here. The man skipping the mini camps, he says, and I'll, I'll take him at his word at least a little bit, wasn't about uh, the contract situation. He, he noted that he wants to be a Raven for life. He said, you know, the Deshaun Watson contract that just gets worse and worse by the day. And that's all we really have to say about that at the moment uh, at time of recording. Um, he said that doesn't factor in. And th- there was... I watched back uh, a like two and a half minute supercut of his presser with all the contracts or all the questions about the contract, excuse me. And you can tell by the end, he's just getting frustrated with the question. Um, you know, Antonio, you know this uh, in the soccer world. And I've been to a couple press conferences in preseason uh, for these big European teams. And everybody has to ask their own questions so they can write up their story based on what they ask the manager. And it's all the same question about what transfers are you bringing in? What players are you bringing in? And by the end of a press conference, the guys are like, I just answered this. I'm not doing this again. And that's basically what it boiled down to with Lamar. Now, all of that being said, um, you know, I think, again, I think he's fine. He's, I think he's going to show up to training camp. The, the fact that he's so vague about stuff is what I think bothers most Ravens fans. And it's just kind of like, you could have said this a while ago. You know, you could have said, hey, I'm just going to do my own workouts. Like, they told the team, and that's fine. And I guess that's what's most important. But the whole, even with the training camp thing, I'm trying to pull up from Jameson Hensley's article. They asked him about training camp, and he basically goes, we're having conversations. I don't know. I, you know, we'll see if I'm there. And it's like. Just say you're going to training camp. Like, you're going to training camp. If you're not going to training camp, then we're having a massive, massive issue. And then it's, you know, emergency pods every day on Pod Like a Raven, 30 <laughs> minute, at least 30 minutes of screaming into a microphone about why this guy it's is playing games. screaming at the ceiling. Yeah, pretty much. So it, I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here a little bit. But, I, you know, overall I'm not worried. But, it, frankly, it is this whole – and I guess it's part of the negotiation and stuff, which is fine. But this whole kind of – you know, dog and pony show that we get kind of drug around as fans just completely in the dark. That part's annoying. I almost wish because, guys, again, as we've been saying on this podcast for months now, you know what's going to happen? He's going to play this year, and then they're going to have negotiations next season because he's his own agent or, you know, a.k.a. doesn't have an agent. He's not going to spend the time during the season, excuse me, 
to negotiate a contract. So it's not going to happen this offseason. We should probably stop talking about it. He's going to play, and then we'll see what happens in the next offseason. But we can't do that because he's Lamar Jackson, and, you know, this is how things work. I'm glad you touched on the, the, the when they asked him about training camp because you're right. The, the way he said it, and that's one, like, you read it, and it sounds really bad, but then you watch, Tim, how you mentioned the way he says it. Clearly comes off as he was just annoyed about answering questions yeah. about everything. And so that, when you when you actually watch the clip, it makes me a little less worried. That being said, could he have just said, yes, I'm going to training camp, as you said? Sure. So, yeah, would, uh, that's the thing everyone seized on when they, they yeah. We're having conversations about it. I don't know if I'm going to be at training camp. But I think he is going to be at training camp. And I think that's why I'm less concerned uh, than I was certainly when we uh, spoke about this, Tim, uh, on our last episode. Because my concern was he doesn't show up to minicamp, right? But he shows up to this. You know, it's a, if he didn't, it would be very weird to show up to minicamp and then not training camp. Right. So the fact that he, like, if he's holding out, he's going to hold out of both, I think. So the fact that he showed up and, by all accounts, played really well. Uh, he seemed to have uh, – everyone seemed to be pre- – you know, you, you know, part of that's kind of, I think, what coaches probably have to say when they're negotiating with uh, – the front office is negotiating with the You know, he looked a little rusty out there, actually. <laughs> I thought his mechanics were, uh, were all out of whack. Yeah, yeah but uh, by all accounts, he looked great, according to – you know, I think we, we like him on here. Jeff Zarebic was is pretty, I think, fair in his takes on Lamar. Uh, and he seemed to think he played really well. Um, and, and and so, yeah, I have no reason to distrust that. And what you saw looked good. So, you know, the fact that he just showed up, I think, eased my concern. I'm with Tim. Um, I don't see a deal happening because as his own agent, it seems like he has to be at the facility for a deal to get completed. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I guess they could do a lot of this over the phone these days. But... I'm not optimistic anything's happening before training camp, that's for sure. But the fact that he showed up at minicamp, I think, assuaged, you know, a lot of any concerns I had. So uh, it is annoying that we have to talk about it and everything, little thing he says, like, you know, a random, I don't know, kind of deflection question gets turned into a, is he holding out of training camp uh, conversation? But, you know, we've talked about this over the years. This is kind of the, the, the uh, magnifying glass microscope Lamar's under, so... Yeah, it's annoying, but I'm not too concerned anymore since he did show up for the minicamp. Uh, I can't believe I'm going to mention this last point about Lamar, but I am because it's June. And if you're listening to us in June for Ravens information, first of all, you're a dedicated listener. <laughs> and second of all, shout out you. We're going we're gonna to talk about all the small things that, that exist. And something of note was that Lamar Jackson weighing in at 220 mm-hmm. uh, at minicamp, which is about 15 pounds more than he normally weighs, and it was just, I loved the descriptions, because from some middle-aged, you know, male journalists, just all the descriptions were, yeah, Lamar added 15 pounds of muscle. It, you know, it's, it's really great, it's really great to see him put on, put on some muscle mass uh, to protect himself a little bit this season. I kind of would rather have him at 205, 208, <laughs> uh, to be honest, because he was very, very good at that weight, so I don't know why, why we're changing said weight. Any comments on this, guys? Any uh, any info or, or insight about the, the 12 to 15 pounds added? I'll go quickly. I actually think it's a benefit. Um, I, the guy's so athletic that I really don't think it's going to take away uh, anything from him athletically. And the fact that, you know, he's bigger vis-a-vis, it, it, he's, it's less likely to be injured, basically. The, that if he takes some 
terrible hit, and the guy knows how to get hit, which is good. But if he takes some terrible hit, there is a less likely chance of him getting hurt on that with the added muscle and the added weight. And good by by the way, he opened like a soul food restaurant down in Florida. Good thing it's not that weight, you know, the weight that we all put on, you know, very, you know, every weekend when I'm like, I was so good this week. I'm just going to have all of the fried food. But uh, maybe it is, Tim. We don't know. Do the do the people saying this, do the journalists saying this know that it's 15 pounds of muscle? It's just the funniest description every time where it's like, oh, yeah, it's just lean. It's just 15 lean pounds that he put on. Well, I'm going to take him. <laughs> I'm going to take them at their word and I'm going to give Lamar the benefit of the doubt, I guess, that he was working and... He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. Maybe, yeah, you know what? Let's call it 10 pounds of muscle, maybe five pounds around <laughs> around the belly, but that's fine. I, I was going to say, I don't know if scientifically it's possible to gain that much muscle in like four months. Uh, I know I'm not an expert, but uh, I will say maybe it's just because I'm so tired of the Lamar contract thing. The added weight, I actually found the most fascinating part of uh, his return to minicamp. Jace, uh, Jace, Jace. That is exactly exactly because you are tired of the contract thing, because <laughs> yeah. it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, the QB gains 15 pounds. I'm like, oh, that's new. That's different. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, until I see it, obviously, on the field, I, 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 I don't view it as bad. I think it's a good thing, too, actually, on the whole. But it's hard to tell until you see on the field. Certainly, you hope it doesn't slow him down. Um, that's, I guess, the concern. But... I, I'm kind of a fan. Uh, he seems to see, he says he feels great. He says he, Lamar claims he feels better than he felt in 2019 going into that season. So great. If he plays at an MVP level again, and only, you know, leads the league in touchdown passes <laughs> have at it. But yeah, I don't know what else to make of it until I guess we really see it on the field. Speaking of, uh, you know, feeling, feeling great, feeling better than, than any other season. It's time for a new award that I have created, and I'm trademarking this from all other Ravens podcasts uh, in the world. And it's the James Prochet Award. And so I'm asking my two co-hosts, uh, you know, we've brought, we brought this up a couple of times that seemingly a couple of off-seasons in a row, but specifically last season, just so many... People heaping all the praise on James Prochet, how good he looked, all the catches, the jugs machine. Before practice, he was there. After practice, he was there. And then he had, like, 12 catches in the season. So the James Prochet Award for who looked the best at minicamp this year, who would you guys uh, who would you guys like to bestow this first year honor to uh, based on all of the little eight-second social media clips from, uh, from this year's minicamp? So the ironic thing is I think you could make a very strong case that James Prochet himself could win this award. <laughs> but uh, in the interest of choosing someone else. You could um, be like a three-time winner even before the award was created. That would be amazing. <laughs> um, but yeah, the interest is just going a, a, uh, a different direction. And, you know, this is kind of our first look at him, so I think it, maybe it's cheating a little bit. But Isaiah Likely was all over the Ravens' Twitter account in the last, I feel like, several days. I felt like every time I checked my Twitter feed, there was a retweet of an Isaiah Likely clip. Uh, Lamar, obviously, I tweeted about him. That showed up, and the Ravens retweeted that. Every time I went back to Twitter, there was just Isaiah Likely at the top of my feed. Uh, so it, it seems like he put on quite a show, certainly. There was a, a series, according to Jeff Zerebic, a series of one-handed catches he made in the final practice, several of which ended up, I believe, on these social media clips. Um, 
And uh, it's hard to put too much hope into the James Prochet Award for what it means exactly, but like this team needs wide receivers. So if Isaiah Likely, even though he's a tight end technically, um, if he has a big season, that would be great. So he seems to be a social media darling and a, my my nominee, I guess, for the the James Prochet Award. For me, it's going to be a man that doesn't show up on the social media clips because he's a defender, and unless you're intercepting the ball in minicamp, they're not really going to put you on those clips. It's a man who had a brilliant nickname when he got drafted a couple of seasons ago, has not lived up to that at all, um, and was a bit bulkier. And guess what? He is complete, quote, completely transformed his body. In a, in a make-or-break year. There's a tease for what's coming later in the program. That's sack daddy Jalen Ferguson. Uh, everything that you hear about Jalen Ferguson is, well, look, if he has a strong training camp, he might make a case that the Ravens don't need another edge guy. He might take the steps to become that dude. And he's already a great run stuffer. They loved him on the defensive side of the football. Now he just needs to really develop those pass rushing skills. And he was always playing a bit heavier. And so now he's a little lighter on his feet. He looks great in camp. Looks so good at minicamp. Let's see what he does in training camp when they put the pads on. I don't care. I mean, we'll see what happens. Like I, I feel like anybody that we talk about on this podcast over the last couple of years that we've been doing this of man look at that off season and we always obviously caveat it with take these things for granted but it's fun to get excited i mean it was hollywood brown traded and james prochet <laughs> who was james prochet so for me i you know i don't necessarily think this is a a, uh, a blessing here but for me i think it's sack daddy ferguson I haven't heard a bad thing about him for a guy who you know to keep his nfl career alive needs to step up this year that's a perfect nominee, Tim. Jalen Ferguson, entering his fourth year uh, in the NFL, <laughs> has four and a half sacks in three seasons. It's nice. been frustrating. It would love to see a leap, but, uh, you know, I'm not not holding my breath for that one, but a fantastic award winner for the 2022 James Prochet Award. And we will be back next year to talk about the candidates for the James Prochet Award at next year's minicamp. Or maybe we'll do one in training camp. Maybe it's a it's a twice a year award kind of thing. We can have one in the preseason. Yeah, Mid, um, mid-season check-ins. For yeah, at the bye week. Practice. Yeah, <laughs> who's shown flashes so far? Uh, okay, and then one more thing that we need to discuss, and this is on a much sadder and more of a bummer note uh, coming out of the Ravens camp, and that is Derek Wolf undergoing a second hip surgery had uh, officially an injury settlement with the team and was subsequently released. Derek Wolf, whose $2 million salary this season was fully guaranteed, has a $3.8 million salary cap uh, hit this year, which is 13th on the Ravens. And Derek Wolf, who was re-signed uh, to a three-year $12 million contract in March of 2021, and then never played a game again. So, obviously, Derek Wolf did not choose to do any of this, but good job, Derek Wolf. I mean, way to the NFL is not fun physically, and so if you can get some checks and not have to play the games, that's a, that's a win, win by you. But obviously disappointing, uh, a guy who had a strong first season with the team uh, when brought, uh, brought in along with... Clayus Campbell we had these dreams of a dominant defensive line again with the two veterans had a good first season and then never really was there 
after that, even though I was able to sign this not lucrative, but not cheap extension uh, also. So I want to hear your guys' thoughts on on Derek Wolf. If you know, I guess what what grade would you give this free agency uh, signing from looking at the totality of, of his time in Baltimore? Because he did play well in that first season. Yeah, I mean C because he was fine and then just never heard from again. I mean, without the extension, it's probably a B. Like got a good year out of him, and then that was pretty much it. Um, the weirdest thing to me is the stuff we're never going to know about with Derek Wolf. He seemed to piss off the Ravens brass in some way, shape, or form, and I don't really know what that was about. But every time that every time that it was brought up, whether it was on Twitter or articles you read about the team, you know, we always reference Zarebeck and Jamison Hensley and stuff, they would always kind of throw a little caveat in there of, you know, to paraphrase, he's not the most well-liked guy with the Ravens brass. And I don't really know what the deal was there, and it's stuff we're not ever going to hear about, which is, you know, not that we need to. It's not our right to hear about that type of stuff. But I don't know. I think it was a lot of they. he never really kept the team updated with his injury. Like, he kind of just went away, and then they didn't really know what the situation was. I don't know if I, – I don't think he's a controversial character or anything like that. But I, it, it, there seemed to be some shadow around the entire thing once he went out, and then it was kind of just like a – I mean, you remember the beginning of last year before, you know – injury geddon happened with the ravens he was one of the first ones to go down and it was kind of one of those things of well you know it looks like he could probably be back for week three or something there was like oh you know we might see him like week seven it looks like he's rehabbing well and then all of a sudden it just stopped and you just didn't hear anything again and so that that's the part that's always odd for me uh, and then in terms of on the field i mean we'll t- we'll talk about it leading up into the season and stuff I am all aboard the Justin Matabuke train. Um, I think Broderick Washington is a good rotation piece. Michael Pierce is a concern. He hasn't even shown up yet since signing. Uh, he was dealing with some personal matters, so obviously let's hope that that gets resolved. That's all the team commented on and all they should comment on, obviously. But, uh, yeah, the chance for the young guys to step up now, and let's see if they can do it. Yeah, there was always just uh, – you guys touched on it – a clear disconnect at some point between the Ravens and Derek Wolf. Um I mean, when the, his injury first happened, Harbaugh described it as a minor back injury, and it led to him missing the whole season and having two subsequent hip injuries that Derek Wolf described, uh, his most recent one of him trying to, quote, try to live a normal life um, after, and I hope he does, you know, as you said, football's brutal sport, and I hope he doesn't obviously have any long-term uh, health complications from that, and his hip reheals and all that, but... Um, clearly somewhere the team and player were not on the same page. Harbaugh was very snippy every time they, even in the injury settlement, like you think they'd wish the player well, but he just said, we've reached like an injury settlement with Derek Wolf. And that's that on that was basically what Harbaugh said. So, uh, yeah, so that was weird. And uh, we'll never fully know (laughs) what all went on there. And so that's a a shame how it ended. I, I liked Derek Wolf a lot. As a player, certainly, I think we probably didn't see the uh, the pass rush pop we were hoping because he had a few five you know five sack seasons with the Broncos over the years. But um, I thought he did a really good job in twenty twenty, especially that was a year the defensive line especially was really banged up, and there were ga- there were games he was like the only full time guy, and I, I you know I thought he he did a valiant job um, and would have been useful. But um, like Tim said, I, I am optimistic. You know, he mentioned. 
the young guys they drafted, Travis Jones, another guy they drafted. Um, I think we, certainly I think we had been prepared. I know Tim and I, on I think the last show we did, had talked about they were he probably wasn't going to play for the team this year. It was trending that way, and now obviously that's official. So it's not surprising. I think the Ravens certainly had been working on that for a while the, the only real sort of disappointing and strange thing is the breakdown between player and team that yeah we'll never get the inside info on really but that, that was the most interesting thing of the whole saga i think i would love to go back to hear the clips of us talking about when he signed coming off of a seven sack season with the broncos in 2019 and all the enthusiasm we probably would have or probably had hoping for at just just duplicating that amount much less exceeding that seven sack number and i think that was in the wake of uh the michael brockers deal falling apart so there was probably a lot of who needs michael brockers (laughs) talk thrown around we do (laughs) that that answered that we needed him um yeah so no Derek wolf some young replacements and brent urban the recently signed brent urban to (laughs) Back again. Maybe do some of that, some of that work that my two co-hosts touched on in our episode a few weeks ago. So that is all that I had out of Baltimore uh, over the, for these last few weeks, and we are now going to turn to uh, Jace Evans to do the random Raven. And I heard, I listen, you know, when, whenever I, should, I would say most of the time, if one of us is out, I think that we do tend to listen to the episode anyway and and, and follow it and. Uh, and I listened to the one that we did a couple, we, I should say, that you guys did a couple weeks ago. And I heard I heard the call. I heard the call out that maybe we have to move on from the Random Raven at some point in time. We are running out of human beings who have worn the purple the purple uniform. But it is not this day. So I, uh, I will uh, discuss it. I am happy to consider alternative games here. But for now, Jace Evans, you are up with this week's Random Raven. Yes, and I could have sworn we've done this guy before, but he wasn't on our list. So, uh, so I don't think it's the hardest one in the world, but uh, it's a fun one for me personally. But uh, clue number one, this player was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in the second round of the 2007 NFL Draft. He joined the Ravens after three seasons in Seattle. He spent just one year in Baltimore, appearing in 14 games with nine starts. He had three interceptions during the regular season, the highlight being a pick six to defeat the Houston Texans in overtime on Monday Night Football, and one interception of Matt Castle in a playoff game against the Chiefs. We didn't do this guy? It's not on the list. (laughs) Clue number five, the former DeMatha and University of Maryland star moved on to Washington in 2011 and ended his career with stops in Atlanta and Detroit. It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar to me. But, I almost uh, feel like we didn't put him on the list by accident. I, I'll say this. I, I for uh, um, Andrew, Andrew Ironman, shout out to him. He is a, somebody I went to high school with. He listens to Pod Like Raven all the time, a dedicated listener to the podcast. He DM'd me this suggestion probably two uh-oh. years ago. And maybe I just, you know, I was like, oh, that's a, that's a great one. And then for whatever reason, I might have thought, oh, that might be too easy or – or, you know, I just admittedly missed it by accident or whatever it was. If we haven't done this, it's fine. We can recycle, guys. It's been three years now or four yeah, years. If or we did it, I do not remember. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I, like, I was like, did we do it? It seems like someone we would have had to have done. Right. But he wasn't on the list. All right. So like, well, we ha- he has to be on the list. We'll trust, we'll trust the list. We'll trust the list. 
we will uh, we will try to answer that uh, at the end <laughs> at the end of the show. But for now, a new segment because again we are in June. Uh, new segment coming uh, coming out of the Tim Horsey Bureau of Pod Like a Raven. So Tim is going to uh, explain this segment for us and then uh, test us out, right, Tim? Yeah. So I am um, you know in my full-time job i'm a radio producer and i am in the dead season of my sport and so for that it is very much a time to think of dumb bits and this came to my mind today for whatever reason and i am going to put you two to the test here uh, I, I'll, I'll throw in a, some opinions here back and forth if needed but mainly it's going to be you two and this is a game called make or break for this season will this for player or coach spoiler alert Will this season be make or break in a particular aspect? It's not necessarily he's not going to play for the Ravens anymore or his NFL career is over. And I'll give you the parameters here as we go through. And I need this if this is a if this is a make or break season in terms of what this is, or if it's not. And I, and you're like Tim, you're overblowing this completely. Uh, we'll start with an easy one. Is this a make or break season for Chuck Clark being a Baltimore Raven? <laughs> I think it's a make or break summer for Chuck Clark because he may. <laughs> I have doubts as whether he's going to be on the roster come September. I, I'm gonna say it's because how do you word it that with the Baltimore Ravens? I was gonna say for his career, absolutely. He's not. only 27. <laughs> he's only 27. Chuck Clark, yeah. Chuck Clark will be on an NFL roster. Yes. but will he be on the Ravens? Uh this time next year, based on what happens this season. Tim, do you know what his what the situation is with his contract? I can try to pull it up. But no, I have it right he, here. Uh, give me two seconds here. I just got to get because that's down a big it. impact on this. Yeah, that's that's exactly. So I think we're on the same. He has the same trade, Antonio. So he has two more years left on his deal with the Ravens before he is an unrestricted free agent this season and next season. Wow. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good. That's a good one, Tim. Because uh, I'm stumped to, to start off. So it's a simple yes or yes or no. Because it is it yes, it is a make or break season, or no, it is not a make or break season for him. Uh, no, I guess he he's gonna, in my opinion, and I guess I hope I think in the Ravens' opinion, he was seen as a fringe starter. So he started when there was a need, and then when they were able to address that position with an above average player they did so immediately and so now he's gonna do different things he's gonna be on the field less um but it's not the last year of his contract so he it's not a situation where he's got to play for the next contract play for the next team he's probably just gonna wait out an injury and then try to shine uh, other plays you know at, at whoever goes down in in the secondary um, in whoever's role, and he has two seasons to show that off. And if he does well in those games where inevitably somebody will be hurt, and he's proven that he can be a starter because he's done it the last two and two and a half seasons, that he'll do that and then play out the contract and go from there. So I would not say it's a make-or-break season. I think I'm going to land on note two because the Ravens do love Chuck Clark, I think. Like, you know, we think back. Me too. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, he was respected enough that, you know, they... they they cut Earl Thomas when <laughs> uh, Earl was a far more established player in the NFL for getting in a fight with Chuck Clark, and everyone came down on Chuck Clark's side. So, obviously, there were some things going on with Earl and that. We don't have to go too far down that road. But they love Chuck. And I do think um, 
you know, I think there's value in having three good safeties, obviously for injury protection, but just like we think of like, you know, just the last several years and, and you think like, you know, Jimmy Smith has been a lot of, oh, matchup safety. It's like, well, what if we just make that guy Chuck Clark, who's a better player than, you know, 10-year veteran Jimmy Smith? Uh, no offense to Jimmy Smith. Great Raven. But, you know, I, I, I think I think there's value to, to still having Chuck around. The Ravens obviously love to build from the back to the front, um, which we can debate if that's good or not. <laughs> but uh, it's what they like to do. And uh, I, I think they like Chuck enough. And I think it eases him because he's not like we don't have to bemoan the lack of playmaking if someone else is making the plays he can just do what he does well which is generally tackle pretty solidly and he's just a very smart player and stuff so i'll say no i I think he sticks around jace i'm glad you brought up jimmy smith because that i was about to use him as a as an example if you're a ravens fan and you love chuck clark that may be exactly who he becomes he plays out this contract and then becomes a one-year deal, two-year deal guy who stays in Baltimore because the team clearly loves him, and there will always be some sort of need or role for a guy in the secondary in the NFL. So could end up staying in Baltimore five years, right, with these short-term deals because he likes the team and the team likes him and they know his skills and and a good role for him. So, uh, yeah, another reason why I don't think it's make or break. Okay. Um, All right. I I have a bunch of people here, but some of them are kind of obvious. You know, is this a make-or-break season for Jalen Ferguson to still be on this team? I think we would all say yes. So I'm, I'm going to eliminate some of those and go with the, the weirder ones and, and, frankly, the more prominent people on this list. Uh, let's start – well, we'll start here. We'll start on the offensive line because I have to. Uh, is this a make-or-break summer-slash-season for Ben Cleveland to be considered a starting candidate on the offensive line? I think yes. Um... So, Jace, for the listener, Jace is saying – Yes, if he doesn't perform well this season, we can no longer consider him a starting option. You know, correct. With everything, yes. you know, injuries aside and all that. Because he does not seem to be in the driver's seat for that left guard job at present. Uh, via Jeff Zarebic, um, you know, Ben Powers still on the team, and Tyree Phillips, another guy who could very well be on this list, uh, are also are, seem to have the current inside track for the left guard job. Um. <clears throat> or at least got more opportunities than Cleveland ahead of time. And, uh, you know, I think we all want Ben Cleveland to be the guy because we enjoy the man, the big beard, the the size. Uh, but it's clear he's just fighting, I think, an uphill battle with the coaching staff. Um, the fact that he keeps landing behind other guys is not a good sign. Um, and obviously, he's, last year was his rookie year, so he still has time, but... You hope if he is the guy that he seizes the job more than he did. And I guess he's kind of battling with guys of similar stature. You know, Phillips, I believe, was a third-round pick also the prior year. So, you know, there's still all the young guys. But um, I think it's a critical year. I I think, you know, someone's got to grab that job. Uh, Like, you can't just go musical chairs at your left guard position for, like, four straight years. Yeah. Someone has to be it, and hopefully someone nails that down sooner than later. I was going to, like, my snap answer was yes, that it is a make-or-break year for him, but he's he's was a rookie last year. He's only entering his second year. He's got, got what it was a four-year deal for him, mm-hmm. right, as, like, that uh, level 
uh, draft pick that he was, so he still has several years. He was seen as, like, a guy that they needed to develop. They needed to work on his technique. He was just, like, a big dude uh, when he came in, and they knew that there were going to be some things that they had to, to fix. Um, Kevin Zeitler is entering the second year of his three-year deal, but there is a potential out after this season, uh, and I could see the Ravens doing that type of move, you know, cutting a guy like this a year earlier rather than a year later when there might be some salary cap money that they can save, and all of a sudden you have the, a spot open again after one year where the guys can compete. So if Ben Cleveland were in his third season and his fourth season of this rookie deal, then I'd say yes, but he's got time, I think, still. Like, he just has to sort of improve as a second-year mid-round draft pick. So I'm, I'm going to say that it's not uh, a make-or-break season for him. Okay, and it's interesting, too. One of the things they talk about, too, you know, w- with offensive line play, a great center can make average guards good. And so if Tyler Linderbaum turns out to be what we all hope, maybe it doesn't matter as much that Cleveland struggles. But clearly he's had some struggles, which is sad because we all want to see, you know, a mythical creature play <laughs> on the offensive line. Um Let's go with this one, and and this can be a little bit shorter. I will admit that I kind of think I know where the, you guys are going to go with this, but I, I just thought it was interesting. Uh, this man has, let me pull it up just so you guys have the reference. He has two years left on his deal. Um, he's getting paid $4.5 million this year and $5.6 million next year for the running back position. Seems to be a bit heavy. Is this a make-or-break season for Gus Edwards to be considered a vital part of the offense? Oh, boy. Tim from the top rope with the Gus bus. Coming off an injury. I, I love the Gus bus. But is this a make or break year? After this season, is there a chance we're going, this is the JK show and we can fill with a, you know, a Mike Davis type? Yes. It's painful. This is, a, this is painful to say. But he is going to be a 26-year-old, no, 27-year-old running back this season coming off of a major injury, an entire missed season where he was already sort of transitioning. Well, he, he was in a, you know, a shared position with JK Dobbins, who everybody believes is like, uh, you know, going to be an all pro running back at some point in time. So if Gus Edwards gets banged up again this season, if his numbers dip, if he is no longer a, five yards a carry for his career type player. Unfortunately, uh, his position group is exactly the one where a team is going to move on from a $5 million contract if he's not even the starter at that position. So I don't like it. I don't like that I said this, but yeah, I think it is. I think he is going to be expected to have very similar numbers to ones that he had you know, in the first three years of his career. So I think it could be, but I'll go with a caveat that it's make or break if Greg Roman is not the offensive coordinator in 2023. Because if he is, they're going to run the ball right up the middle all the time. Uh, still. Um, and I I don't fear Gus getting his five yards of carry. I mean, his his consistency is, is remarkable. truly it's stunning. Remarkable. Uh, yeah, 718, 711, 723 yards his first three seasons each year. Uh, so he's, we, we know Gus Edwards is getting 700 yards, as Antonio said, at five yards a pop. Cleared that number every time. 
But we also talked recently about J.K. Dobbins and his six yards of carry average his rookie season. And if You know that, what's better than five? Six. Yeah, and if we are potentially, maybe, ever moving into a more modern direction that the rest of the league is in, um, and they throw more and run less, you just got to make J.K. the sole guy, I think, certainly. Uh, it's hard to justify paying two backs that high if, obviously, Dobbins bounces back. But... Obviously, if they're still going the run heavy in 2023, I think there's value to having Gus Edwards around. If they're trying to make it more wide open uh, uh, next season, or the following season, I guess. Um, yeah, I think there's a conversation to be had about Gus Edwards' future in Baltimore. Okay. All right. Interesting there. Um, let's go. I, that was a better conversation than I thought from that one. I like that. <laughs> uh, in my initial list that I vetted, I had Greg Roman, but frankly, he pisses me off too much. I don't even want to talk about him. Let's talk about another man who pisses me off too much that I really don't want to talk about him, but this is why you guys are talking about him and not me. Uh, it is a former first-round pick, two years left on his deal with a potential fifth-year option. You know who I'm going here with. Is this a make-or-break season? For Patrick Queen to be, and this is going to show you what I feel about him currently, a starter <laughs> on this team. A bona fide every three down linebacker starter is what I'm talking about. And I, 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 I chose starter because I didn't want to be a significant piece of the defense or leading the right. defense. Because I think we talked about it, uh, Jace. We talked about it on the last episode when we did best case, worst case, and Patrick Queen came up. So... When I say starter, I mean still a guy who's playing all three downs. He doesn't leave the field, yada, yada, yada. Is this a make-or-break season for him to still be that guy? I think it has to be. Um, and, and I think, you know, the thing that's most disappointing with him uh, is his pass coverage abilities or lack thereof. If he makes a big stride in that, um, in that area, that would help. Because that's what he's supposed to do, right? Like... If you're a six-foot linebacker, undersized linebacker, I can excuse you getting run over by Derrick Henry every now and then. It's like, all right, you got ran over by a guy who's like two inches taller and 50 pounds heavier than you. Like, what are you supposed to do? But it's the fact that he's just like also can't cover well. It's <laughs> the frustrating thing because that should be the skill you have. And the fact that... Uh, that's seemingly what like Josh Bynes gets called in to do is to like call out and like do the assignments and, and, and stabilize things. So I guess that's twofold. It's coverage ability slash, you know, leading the defense. But um, yeah, he just he needs to be better at actual coverage. If the whole if your if your concept is you're a speedy modern linebacker. You just got to be better at covering over the middle of the field than he is. Uh, and so. You know, I don't know if that's still enough to warrant, you know, picking up a fifth-year option, but at least if he improves in that area in 2022, that's a big bonus for this defense uh, because certainly, as we've talked about a lot, if it's not him, there are very few long-term answers at linebacker on this team. <sighs> Gosh, okay. Um, here's my fear. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick Queen has an entirely mediocre 2022. And then in a contract year, Patrick Queen explodes in 2023. <laughs> has 130 tackles, eight sacks, four interceptions, uh, and then wants a long-term deal from the Ravens, who I guess could 
give it. He's a first round pick. They would give him the. Uh, does he get a fifth year, fifth year option? option? Yeah, he gets the fifth year option. They can pick up. So they would do that, I guess, and then he's going to have another middling year, and then they have to decide whether or not to pay him or what the heck to do with him after that. So, with that being said, uh, I think it still is. I think this year still is the make or break season for him because. I think the Ravens will run out of patience before that fourth year. I think if he has a mediocre third year, they will address middle linebacker either in the draft, early in the draft, or in free agency because they realize that this is a position they need to solidify greatly. So, yes, make or break year for him because if it's mediocre, then by year four he's not the starter and will not have the snaps to have that explosive season and get the big (laughs) contract afterwards. So, he better do it this year while he still, uh, let's say, has you know light above him uh, in terms of the depth chart. Well, and he is still young. He doesn't turn 23 until August. So um, he is on the younger side. So that gives me a little hope. The other thing we should at least just say, he has had about the two you know, worst seasons you could probably have ever been a rookie and second-year player in close to NFL history with just COVID wiping out, you know, your entire, basically, uh, lead-up to your rookie season and then a weird uh, 2021 still. Uh, that should all be removed, uh, certainly, this year. So that's, uh, you, you, that, that there, there's, you're running out of, I guess, excuses, if you want to call it that. But, uh, well, I guess circumstances, uh, unique circumstances is probably a more appropriate word. Uh, things are a lot more back to normal and... Uh, yeah, it's time to it's time to show us uh, something, and certainly, obviously, other rookies have uh, you know had to deal with similar situations and played better, frankly, than he has. So, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, it's it's time. That he's he's he could have been a James Prochet All Star. He showed up a lot. I feel like on Raven social media because um, he was there. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. Every other marquee defender was not at OTAs, pretty much, uh, or injured, but. Uh, um, or practices and stuff, but yeah, so it's definitely a, a huge season for. The only way I could say no is that, oh no, he's still going to be a starter in two seasons' time, bona fide starter because of just the people around him. Like Josh Bynes is going to be eighty-five, and you know Malik Harrison isn't showing anything either. So interesting there on that one. All right, I have three more left for you guys. Three more heavy hitters here, and they all obviously have caveats, and and I will try and and word them in a way that makes sense. The next player is 28 years old. He turned 28 in March, and he has four years left on his contract. Is this a make-or-break season for Ronnie Stanley to be considered an elite left tackle? Is there a world where, you know, after this season, we're like, this guy is is a contract albatross, and he's fine, but he's not what we're paying for? Yes. He is is the definition of make-or-break under those parameters. Because we already know he's very, very, very good. So if it, if we don't see it for a second year in a row, then that means there's big problems with the long-term health of that injury. If it takes two and a half years for a broken ankle, and it's still not, it's still not right, and you're still not looking like the All-Pro that you were in 2019... And you're a man who weighs 315 pounds and is putting that much weight on that ankle. I don't think it's coming back after that. So, yeah. (laughs) And it has nothing to do with him or his abilities. We just, because we know how good he was, 
if we don't see it this year, make or break in terms of that contract, yes, it will be a problem for this team for a few years. It, it's hard for me to know which side to fall on this because I don't know if I'm almost already so pessimistic that I'm just like, that ship's sailed and I've just like made my peace with it. And it was like, like two weeks after he signed the deal. Well, here, let me let me just give you some numbers. 18.5 million this year. 21.5 million the following year. 2024, he's making 24 million. And then in 2025, 24.5 million dollars a year before he hits free agency in 2026. I'm not willing to completely, I guess, uh, just maybe I'm being a contrarian. I'm not willing to completely give up yet. I, I think... So if you say no, if you say no, no matter what happens this season, we are still coming in this time next year saying uh, Ronnie Stanley is an elite left tackle. I think I am at least reserving the ability to say that. I think he could come back, and if he just plays this year and is fine, that's a big win. And maybe he has a normal offseason finally where you're not rehabbing, you're just doing your regular strength work, your regular conditioning, all that stuff. And then maybe he can get elite in 2023. I think for me, just a win would just be he plays. <laughs> he plays at least 12 games. Uh, if not, you know, all 17, that would be great. Um, but uh, I think for, yeah, for me, a win would be he plays. But I'm not willing to, I get. I don't want to totally say he can't be elite again. It's unlikely, but uh, um, I don't know that we have to absolutely see it this year to say it's like it'll never happen again. I okay. Guess. All right. I love this. Um, okay. I have two more, and I'm, I'm literally writing because the caveats I have, I have to write these out so I can <laughs> read them. Cause it, it, and this one, I will fully admit, if you guys both just want to go quickly and be like, no, this is ridiculous. Let's move on. That's fine because, you know, obviously we've already gone close to an hour here. and Make or break for Justin Tucker. <laughs> no, no, no. We're not, not quite there. I will say some of the people <laughs> I had on my list that we're not using. Uh, Michael Pierce, James Prochet, uh, Jalen Sack, Daddy Ferguson, who we talked about. James Pro, uh, just uh, James Prochet and uh, Greg Roman. But I have two more here that are on my list. Is this a make or break season for Lamar Jackson's massive payday to be a certainty? To be a certainty. Is there a world? So if you say yes, there's a world where something happens where we're going, uh, I don't know. Josh Allen money? I don't know. I think the yes is he throws more interceptions once again than he does the year before, which has happened every year since he's become a starter, uh, which is a minor concern, obviously, for me. Uh, you don't want your more the more experienced you get to and it'd be one thing if his interceptions were like i guess some of them are like far be it where you're just like i'm gonna try to throw it into triple coverage but half of them he just doesn't see a linebacker which is <laughs> frustrating but uh you know um I, I think it is possible he you know Maybe he doesn't run as much this year. Maybe either he doesn't want to or the team doesn't want him to because he got hurt last year. Uh, you take that threat away, the Ravens' number one receivers is Rashad Bateman and no one else steps up, and it's just a struggle once again at times on offense. I think you can run into a situation where you're debating 
Now, I don't know that teams will do this. I think there's been a lot of revisionist history with the Flacco contract as well, where people think that the Ravens weren't going to pay him uh, whether that Super Bowl run happened or not. I'm convinced they were still he was still getting a massive contract regardless because that's just how the NFL works, and he was the next guy to get paid. He certainly got more than he would have. but uh, So Lamar's still going to make great money, but I do think uh, this year, I guess, could like reset the conversation of like oh he's not he's not in that top tier where everyone just kind of lumps him maybe he's this hurts maybe maybe he's an mvp former mvp he's talented he can be special but maybe he is more of your your Derek carr level uh you know winner uh but maybe he's not josh allen or patrick mahomes and that's okay (laughs) you know that's not a bad thing but I think if he has this, if he struggles this year, I think that could really open that conversation because it would basically be he gets it would be his play gets worse the further we get from his first MVP season where he just took the the NFL by storm basically. Yeah, this one's for me. This is kind of tough to answer because it there's obviously levels that his play could drop to to where yes, it would be make or break that his he's not going to be the highest paid player. If he throws 25 interceptions next season, then yes, that is going to take a gigantic hit to him being the highest paid player. But if he has an average or above, you know, middling season, then no, I don't, I don't think it's make or break. Because if it's not the Ravens, it will be someone who will view his 2019-2020 seasons as enough to give him a gigantic deal. We saw what the Browns did. Don't have to dive into that here. So if an NFL team is willing to do that, then an NFL team will be willing to give Lamar Jackson the gigantic deal, even with a step down, uh, you know, in 2022. And call, comparing him to Derek Carr was a bridge too far on my, uh, <laughs> on, my, uh, on, my uh, on my part. Uh, Jace, it, it doesn't matter. Jace, more... no, it doesn't matter because... You did that, and everybody turned the podcast off. So you don't need to apologize anymore. <laughs> yeah, maybe more in like the Dak Prescott tier, who we should say Dak's making like forty million a year. Yeah. So yeah, Lamar is probably still going to get paid, uh, but maybe he's not the upper echelon. Um, and maybe that gives the Ravens pause. I don't know. I I wouldn't think so because they were in the wilderness for so long at quarterback at times. But uh, you know, it, it is funny, and I I feel like I the end of last season colored what I thought so much of the season. You look, I, it's easy to forget, like, Lamar was probably the MVP at the midpoint. Like, at the beginning of November, Lamar was, like, a leading MVP candidate uh, when the Ravens were 6-2 and two and everyone was hurt. And he had, you know, that 500-yard game or whatever he had against the Colts, 400-some yards. Uh, he finished with last season with the exact same completion percentage as he did the year before. Uh, <laughs> and so he's been really consistent. And the year before that, his MVP year, he was 66%. Uh, and the last two years, he's been 64.4%. The thing that's gone down is his touchdowns have gone down and his interceptions have gone up. Not great. And his rushing yards have also gone down. So uh, I do think that's a lot, but is more has been riding on him, certainly last season, uh, compared to prior years, as we talked about with the just decimation of the running game last season. But... Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I guess, long story short, I can't completely rule out just disaster happening and perhaps uh, everyone reconsidering it. That's probably when you see the franchise tag rolled out, I would guess. But, uh, you know, who's to say? 
Yeah, it's interesting. And I wonder, too, I mean, quarterback is such a different position, but you talk about how there's ebbs and flows with trends in the NFL. So, like, the wide receiver market was what blew up this year, and then there will be a counter to that, which is, call it what it is, the Ravens model, where you don't really pay any receivers and you pay tight ends <laughs> because they are valued at a less, uh, you know, average per year. Connor Orr of Sports Illustrated wrote a great piece about this on the Ravens that I encourage you to read about how they're basically fleecing the NFL again. Not that I necessarily <laughs> agree with that, but because of their zigging when people are zagging. All right. Final one. And I will admit, I just confirmed um, this man has a contract through 2025 now. So this changes a bit, but... In the National Football League, we all know that these contracts are not necessarily guaranteed and they can be axed at any minute. Is this a make-or-break season for John Harbaugh's absolute 100% locked-in-steel job security? Yeah. Who wants to go? Who wants to go first? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is. Uh, I, I, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, I've been thinking about this a lot, Tim. So I'm glad you brought him up. This is year 15 for John Harbaugh. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, for better or worse, his stamp is completely on this team. Um, I think we talked about it a little last week. My concerns are uh, his loyalty to Greg Roman. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it may be, it, he might not be fired if the, if the season goes south, right? I imagine Greg Roman gets fired at season's end. But it, I wouldn't shock me if... You know, Steve Bashotti reaches a, a decision where he decides it's just time if this, if the Ravens miss the playoffs again, because it'd be especially depending on what the final record is. Because um, we talked about the 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 fourteen two year was amazing. I thought they did a good job at rallying in twenty twenty to make the playoffs. I believe they were six and five. They won out at the playoffs at eleven and five. Won a playoff game. Um, but this, the record has gotten worse every year. And, um, I think uh, it kind of goes hand in hand too. I think with what you want the future with Lamar Jackson to be, uh, assuming he's around, um, if you want to go in perhaps a more offensive coach direction, uh, I don't know. I'm, I, I do think it's make or break. I think, you know, we last time i think there was thoughts harbaugh was going to get fired in 2018 and then uh joe flacco got hurt and they inserted lamar into the lineup and they rallied and made the playoffs um but they did extend his contract but that was mainly so he wouldn't be a lame duck this season steve Ashadi has said he just likes to not have coaches in the final year of his deal they fired billick one year after extending him so there's precedent for it in this franchise um and, and, you know, I think John Harbaugh's a great coach, but also, you know, the Super Bowl was a long time ago now. It was 10 years ago. And uh, the only player from that team left is Justin Tucker at this point after the retirement of Sam Cooke. So, you know, the, the Hall of Fame players who you could probably argue were the driving force of that team uh, in many ways are all gone. Um, and... I think the Ravens do some good things. I do also think the Ravens, and I think this is mainly a John Harbaugh thing, get married to the guys they like. And I don't know that they always should uh, keep bringing back the same four guys every time they need, need a veteran, uh, you know. But these are all minor things. I think every coach has, you know, you see Patriots fans complaining about Bill Freak and Belichick, like the greatest coach of all time. Uh, 
because you know i mean it is weird that the patriots don't have an offense coordinator sure but uh you know i'll still give harbaugh the benefit of the doubt but i do think it's a massive season and could be a kind of an inflection point because you get 15 years in that's just an awfully long time and you wonder if it's maybe just time for someone else to be the leader harbaugh turned 60 i believe this season um <clears throat> So, you know, it could be time if the season goes south. So, yes, I've thought about it a lot. Uh, it's been something on my mind. And I I think it's absolutely a make or break year for John Harbaugh's, you know, complete control of kind of the Ravens uh, as you kind of laid it out. Yeah, I tend to – I'm always a year late with coach firings, with established coach firings. When you're talking about like an Urban Meyer – type thing i'm i'm right on the time when that type of coach needs to be removed but for coaches who've been there for coaches who've won been to the playoffs have long tenures i am always oh that seemed premature uh with head coaches so i want to say no to this for harbaugh but got one playoff win since 2015 jesus uh that's a problem even though they've had winning teams even though they've had good teams, that's not going to work. Uh, and Bishotti has, I'm sure, brought that up in conversations with Harbaugh. It's a lot of pressure. But that's the point. The point is to get to the playoffs and then win games there and get to Super Bowls, which, yes, Jace, they have not been to uh, in 10 years. Ray Lewis is not coming through that door. Ed Reed's not coming through that door. All right? So it's time to do it with the players that you have now. Uh and they have the quarterback to do it, certainly. So you make an excellent point, Jace, that I think his this past offseason, there was the coaching summit, there was the meeting of the minds, and something had to change. And the change was to the defensive coordinator as opposed to the offensive coordinator or the head coach. And I bet Harbaugh was involved in that at least a little bit. And now he's got to live with this decision for the, for the franchise and for his, probably his, his future. I think if... The offense struggles, uh, and the team has a middling season. Then I think they're both maybe gone. And I'm excited about Mike McDonald, but that's another guy. He's a Ravens guy. He was always a hardball coach. They hire him off his brother's staff. Uh, you know, it couldn't I, be more hardball the way they. Yeah, I just worry a little with uh, hardball that, you know. I do think he's a good coach, but he does have, I think, total control over the organization in a way I think he didn't when he first came in, uh, certainly, to the Ravens, when you had all these Hall of Famers who just would tell him, like, no, we're not doing this. <laughs> and obviously, the year they won the Super Bowl, there was a, near quote, near player mutiny, uh, who we know who were the leaders of that were. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's it, it, it's... It's just a long time to be in charge of anything, and I do worry sometimes that uh, Harbaugh has removed anyone who might challenge him on anything <laughs> from from the organization, and that's that's my only kind of real fear, I think, with the team. It, it's one of those things with Billick, too. I remember we talked about with Billick. Sometimes, even if they're successful, it just goes stale. So thank you for participating in my game. Uh, we will do more of these, I guess, you know. We're going to start ramping up here soon, but if you have any suggestions, I will say, before I throw the hosting duties back to Antonio uh, Bandera, you can always send them in, podlikearaven at gmail.com or Instagram or Twitter at podlikearaven. Let us know. We're open to ideas and suggestions. We want to do what you guys want to hear, so always open for ideas. Keep it clean, though. Keep it professional. Yeah, family, show. It clean, family show. Family you show. Know? Uh, no, that was a great 
That was a great segment, and it got me. Uh, I don't. I'm like. I don't know if I'm more bummed out than I, than I was before. <laughs> There's so many question marks on this team. Uh, but yeah, they have a couple of months to uh, to figure some things out and uh, just go win the Super Bowl, just like that, and that'll that'll solve uh, so many of so many of these problems. <laughs> Uh, so the last thing, yeah, left to do. Jace Evans, can you run through the uh, random Raven clues one more time? Yes, I can. And also, if you want some Ravens positivity, 15 sack Adafi Owe season. I'm talking myself into it. <laughs> God, I hope so. There's some Ravens positivity for you. Uh, so, uh, clue number one. This player was drafted by the Seattle Seahawks in the second round of the 2007 NFL Draft. He joined the Ravens in 2010 after three seasons in Seattle. Uh, clue number three, he spent just one year in Baltimore, appearing in 14 games with nine starts. Clue four, he had three interceptions during the regular season, the highlight being a pick six to defeat the Houston Texans in overtime on Monday Night Football, and one interception of Matt Castle in a playoff game against the Chiefs. The former DeMatha Catholic and University of Maryland star moved on to Washington in 2011 and ended his career with stops in Atlanta and Detroit. So I am making sure, Antonio, I'll give it to you, but I am putting him in the dock <laughs> now. So if we did that, if we did him already, my apologies, it won't happen again. Antonio, take it away. Well, it's very funny because I'm thinking I have to go listen back to this episode. Uh, did I just say, Josh Evans, can you please read us back the Random Raven? Or did I say <laughs> Jace Evans? Because the answer, the answer is Josh Wilson. And I think I may have said, Josh Evans, can you read us the clue by accident, uh, thinking of who the Random Raven was. So we'll have to go back and see that. But yeah, the answer is Josh Evans. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't catch that in real time if you did. But yes, it is uh, Josh Wilson. I Again, my apologies if we've done this before. I... I like. I feel like he's come up, but I didn't know if that was just us talking about or in passing for some reason, or a different random Raven who we thought it might have been, um, which is definitely possible. But uh, Josh Wilson, I remember watching that uh, that pick six in Cumberland Hall uh, after the Ravens had blown. I think what was like a twenty-eight to nothing lead or something. <laughs> they were up significantly <laughs> in that game, blew it, and then won on a walk-off. One of those wins where you don't really feel good afterwards. You're like, ah, well, that could have gone better. But I'll take those uh, nowadays, though, Jace. We never knew how good we had it. <laughs> oh, I know. When we're back, I, I, I feel so awful when I complain about like the the annoyances of a twelve and four Ravens season. Uh, as I watched like my friends who are Washington fans be like, could John Beck be the answer? And it's like, no, you guys are going four and twelve this year. What are you talking about? <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> and that pick six, Jace, I feel like that was just perfect Matt Schaub also. Oh, yeah. That game was perfect Matt Schaub where he was leading this comeback and is like, this is, he's the greatest quarterback I've ever seen. And then just the pick six to lose the game just on an abominable it. decision. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, that that's Matt Schaub. Yeah, the, the, the Matt Schaub. I'm pulling it up right now to just see uh, how many yards Matt Schaub had in that game in which they then uh, blew it. My guess is going to be a lot. Uh, but... Uh, here we go. What do we? Uh, yeah, uh, Matt Schaub, thirty-one for sixty-two. A lot of passing in that one. Three ninety-three, three touchdowns, two picks, including the game losing uh, pick six. A uh, hundred-yard game from Arian Foster. Um, An all-time classic Joe Flacco line of twenty-two for thirty-three for two thirty-five with two pick or uh, with two touchdowns, no picks. 
but was sacked five times. Sack fumble? Uh, any any sack fumble? Oh, in there, that's a great. That's a great. <laughs> Gotta one. be. I don't, I Who knew that? If he, did, if he didn't throw a pick, he must have had a sack fumble. Who knew that this podcast, which I thought would went very well, has just just spiraled the drain into talking about future or maybe former random Raven Matt Schaub? Who's to know? <laughs> oh man. Oh boy. You know it's. This is this is what the summer's for, Tim. It's it's a time to reminisce, to think about. Are we done? Are we still recording? Joe like, what is going on right now? <laughs> We're just having a good time. <laughs> yeah, we will be back. Uh, two weeks, guys. I guess two weeks to start uh, ramping up the. Uh, you know, I should know this, but the actual date of training camp so i will say i will say this is a live producer uh or on a production meeting i should say uh in in show next monday is july 4th or the next monday we'd be on would be july 4th so maybe we might do it july 5th and bring it to you on a wednesday rather than a tuesday or do a surprise drop on tuesday night we will keep you informed we will let you know but you know we got to celebrate america guys come on july 4th is for celebrating america july 5th is for talking about the ravens so with that, for Jay Evans and Tim Horsey, I am Antonio Barbera. Lovely to have everyone back in the studio. Uh, lovely to talk about football. And we'll be back in uh, a couple weeks as we get closer to training camp and then preseason and then NFL football games in uh, just a couple of months. So thank you for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you in two weeks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.